Hello and welcome to Killer Serials, everyone. I'm Tony Jones. Ryan Parker. And we're a couple, and Flynn. And Flynn's in the background. We got a mascot we, Flynn. I got a couple dogs in my background as well. Yep. We are a couple uh, uh, theology nerds who are also TV nerds, and we are talking about television. We're doing a um, kind of a special two-part episode on season three of Transparent this week and next week. And then uh, we will be taking a couple weeks off. Ryan's going to Europe. I'm going to Australia. And we will pick back up the week of uh, January 9th, I think, that week. So we'll be off for two to three weeks over the holidays. Hope everybody enjoys their holidays. And speaking of holidays, Transparent Season 3, I think you could say, it, it goes from being about trans... I mean, it's still, of course, always going to be about what it means to be trans. But it's really very much about what it means to be Jewish. And even more so in season three, it's what it means That's to right. be kind of a non-observant Jew who's still desperately longing for the rootedness of that Judaism. Wouldn't you say? Or just, I would think, a rootedness and meaning beyond yeah. the day-to-day. -day. Yeah. Because we talked about this, so for for people who have been under a rock or who have not watched the show, it follows the Pfefferman family in Los Angeles, and the patriarch of that family announces at the beginning of season one that uh, he wants to transition, right? That yeah. he is a woman trapped in a man's body, and uh, the f show begins to follow her transformation um, through season one and season two. And the, also other members of the family have their own issues, right? Um, many of which have to do uh, sex or sexuality, um, gender identity. It really does kind of run the gamut of those themes and those topics. Yeah. And they're also, and, and like most families, they're dysfunctional in their own ways, right? They're not dysfunctional because of these, uh, of this, these changes in sexuality or their struggles with sexuality, uh, they're dysfunctional in the ways that many families are, nearly all families are dysfunctional. It's a yeah, generational I mean, gap. It's the fact that your family, um, and it follows those struggles. And uh, Tony, you and I were talking before we recorded and it felt for me that season one really came out of the gate. It was, it, it felt like a, a really strong series. It was critically acclaimed, won plenty of awards Season two felt like a dip for me. I know we haven't talked about one or two, but season three is just fantastic. Yeah, I I think that, you know, the, the thing about the Pfeffermans is that each of them is, um, each of them is deeply narcissistic in their own ways, and each of them struggles to be empathetic to other people they can't they they all every one of them struggles to maintain a romantic relationship over time they're constantly in and out of relationships some of them members of the family are even having throwaway sex basically um and it's one thing i think that is obviously interesting for you and me is that um there's like, there's this odd, it, it, it almost is like the, the insertion of Colton, this illegitimate child who 
was adopted off and raised in evangelicalism in a suburb of Kansas City, he gets stuck back into the family, and it's almost like that causes the members of the family, or that's part of what causes the members of the family to engage in their own uh, spiritual quest. And that, yeah, and, 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 and also, of course, Josh having a relationship with Rabbi Raquel with, that so ends that, at the end of season two. And much of, what, much of what you referenced there happens in season two. And it's no coincidence, I, I think you're dead on, that it's kind of a hinge because season three opens and every character is searching for something beyond the self. Because Rabbi... Whether it's relationships, yeah, that's right. re, uh, religion, and uh, maybe it's a new identity. You know, yeah. maybe uh, Mora wants to go further into her femininity with a, an actual gender reassignment surgery. So it's all this quest for something more or to go deeper into the self or the other relationship with the other. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, when, when Colton leaves at the end of season two and gets back in the RV and leaves, and then when uh, Josh basically, I mean, when he screws up that relationship with Rabbi Raquel, who in so many ways is, is the person, I mean, you really. I wish she was my pastor. Yeah, you read you read reviews of season three, and everybody's like, "We're so glad we saw more of Rabbi Raquel. We hope she'll be in season four. I mean, she she's such a pivotal character in this, and it's funny that you know Josh dumps her after she has a miscarriage, and then he's like, "Hey, maybe I'm not ready for a kid." I mean, it's so like the narcissism and immaturity that he shows. And then immediately he and his sister Allie become almost like a, a married couple. I mean, they yeah, start to I mean, live. Season, they start season to live, three, they're living together. They basically live like a married couple. They finish yeah. each other's sentences. They're living in the. They're living in their childhood home. They're they're going, having drinks after work. Right, all that. Right. They have to. Yeah. Um, Allie is, has a hard time. Like she's sleeping with her professor, but sometimes she has to get up because where's Joshy? I don't know where Joshy is. You know this kind of thing. And meanwhile, we see Rabbi Raquel struggling herself. She's struggling with faith, and she's struggling with what it means to be a leader of a faith community, really. And, and the miscarriage has really taken its toll on her. Yeah. And, and, as, and, and the gravity of that, I'm glad they, they're kind of imbuing these first few episodes, and I think we should let people know. I've only watched the first five. You've watched yeah. the whole season, so we're going to do half— today and then half next week. Well, one of the things that's interesting and anybody who's been in a position of pastoral ministry will understand this and you know have have experienced this themselves, but Rabbi Raquel is struggling with her faith after her miscarriage. She thought she 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 thought she was in love, she was finally going to get married, she was going to have a kid, a lot of the things that she wanted were going to work out. That all comes to an end. And then meanwhile, these two new people come into her life. One is this, the cantor, who's this uh, tall African-American kind of mixed-race guy with a kid who's just, just goody two-shoes. I mean, goody frickin' two-shoes. He's a, he is the, he's every music minister I ever knew. Yeah, yeah. Every straight music minister you ever knew. And then Sarah comes in, and just as Josh has kind of 
left the scene with Rabbi Raquel, his sister Sarah comes in, and she now suddenly wants to recover her Judaism because she is totally lost. And her, I I will just say this, in the second half of season two, watch closely how, how Sarah's kind of hashtag first world problems start to really get under the skin of Rabbi Raquel. Yeah, because she's dealing like Sarah's problems are, you know, that um, the the woman she pays to beat her and you know sexually um, uh, dominate her isn't like doing everything that she wants her to do. And meanwhile, Rabbi Raquel is like dealing with deep existential doubt about her own faith and her own purpose and her own vocation yeah and it's great and i think the seeds of that are planted in episode two i mean i'm tempted to say hey let's pull back and walk you know episode by episode but thematically that's that that groundwork is laid in episode two where sarah thinks she's gonna join the board yeah of the temple and rabbi raquel tells her oh this is just a formality and well sarah Sarah shows up and starts talking about essentially, you know, just to put it bluntly, all the, these kind of deviant sex, sexual relationships and and the way that she still lives with her husband, but her husband has a lover and all this stuff. And everybody around the table's jaw just drops, as you would expect it to in a meeting like this. Well, right. And Raquel doesn't know. Like as Raquel, you would expect it to, unless you're a Pfefferman. And this is, this is an that's interesting a good point. thing. That's a good point. Because in the Pfefferman family, there is no such thing as deviance. There yeah. is no th- such thing as as uh, uh, activity or behavior that's on the borderline or on the margins or that's somehow morally wrong. There is no such thing as something that's morally wrong. Yeah, and I and that's true. And I don't, I, you know, can we can put ourselves in trouble by saying deviance, but let's say maybe a more liberal approach to sex and sexuality. And and one of the things that I left thinking about after that episode was over is, you know, not everyone is totally cool with a totally liberated sexuality. Even liberals. Most people aren't. And so and Sarah walks into that meeting ne- thinking everyone is just as liberal as she is. And, you know, and this is the thing. I think she's so unhinged or she she's so connected with this family that – in, in which there is no moral plumb line to this family. There really isn't. I mean, I think this is part of the show's question is that they're all searching for it. And they're so far from their, from their Judaism that, you know, you'll see in the second half of the season, things come up they're trying to do and they don't even know the words. They can't, you know, they, they know they're supposed to do things, prayers, but they can't come up with the words for them. And, I mean... I, yeah, I think like paying somebody to be like BDSM is probably considered a, a deviant sexual behavior. And she starts talking about this kind of stuff. And even Raquel is horrified because she's like, even if that stuff's going on, like, I know your family. I know that stuff happens. You got to talk. Don't lead with that at your board meeting. Yeah. Like you got to have some. Let's work up to that. You got to have some kind of political savvy and some kind of um, awareness of social norms and this is what i think they lack the pfeffermans lack is is those kind of social norms if anybody has them probably josh has them because he works in you know he works an actual job with real people 
But he even starts to kind of lose touch with that as, as season three goes on. So I want to talk about that tension between, and, and I think probably approaches to and sexuality itself are dividing lines. But you talk a lot about, and maybe we can talk about this next week after I see the entirety of the season, but you talk about how there's a real tension between uh, the world of um, uh, transparent and middle America. And what are middle Americans watching? I would say that in, over the course of the two seasons, first two seasons, and you having lived out here some time ago, you'll know there are few shows that are as L.A. as Transparent this is. This is the most L.A. LA. show. But yeah, I can but think of. let me let me let me continue. I think it all season three does a good job of exposing the fact that that is only one very small slice of Los Angeles, yeah. which is a huge, sprawling, diverse city yeah. that is racially, economically and politically diverse. And I think in the very first episode, when um, Mora is lost looking for Eliza, yep. um, when she's she's trying to find this woman who calls into a crisis center, and she goes to this thing called the Slauson Swap Meet. Mm-hmm. I didn't know where that place is. It's not in my neighborhood. Yeah. But I want to go now. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. it exposes this this uh, uh, the, the kind of multiple cities that make up. Los Angeles, and then when he go when they put her into the hospital, they go to county. She wants to be transferred to Mora wants to be transferred to Cedar Sinai, the Jewish hospital. She's Jewish, yeah, right. She's frustrated because they mark male, yep, on the chalkboard, and the doctor misspells her name, right. And they come in, and all the Pfefferman children come in, and they throw a fit, yeah. But but for me, I thought that scene was so brilliant because. I'm not sympathetic with them. Right, right. And guess what? Those people at county, and I would say, I'm going to put quotes around those people, are overworked, underpaid, and disrespected too. Right, yeah. They don't have the time to care about your concerns. And they and they uh, make that and, clear, and the doctor makes that clear. But he doesn't do so over the top. no. It's just, just like I don't roll, have the energy for this. He and just walks kind away. of rolls his eyes. Like that's to me, that's not a sign of disrespect. Yeah, that is right. That is that is a mutual, yeah, disrespect. He's a little exasperated by this, you know. Yeah, the the because guess what? He's working at a hospital in a city that is in Los Angeles. That is a different Los Angeles than where the, the Fefferman's live up in the hills, and they don't have anything to do with them in their real life. Yeah, I mean, I think if you were to ask the Pfeffermans if they were real people, um, how many episodes of Duck Dynasty have you watched? They'd be like, I, what's Duck Dynasty? I have no idea what you're talking about. Maybe. Be, no, really. I mean, maybe if they saw it in like, if there was some funny thing about wearing camo in the New York Times Sunday style section. That's the only... That, That's funny, I, yeah. Right? Yeah. These are not people – they don't watch any basic cable. These are people who watch HBO and stream things on Amazon and Netflix like we do. The, I, I'm saying – I don't know. There's a scene, there's a scene where um, Sarah's watching reality TV with her ex-husband, and they're laughing at it. Yeah. If there's – On if, the couch. If there's two Americas, I mean these – the, the, the Pfeffermans don't know a single person who voted for Trump. Let me put it that way. 
If you yeah. said name for me one family or friend mem- a member who voted for they Trump, actually might they could you name know one. they might no they couldn't name you one. know they might who it, Colton only Colton come on Col- Colton's dad you know there are closeted rich conservative Trump voters in the hills out here you know that not many don't oh, come on more than you more than you want to know just more than the, you want to admit what, what the Pfeffermans. What the Pfeffermans, and I, and I don't think this show is being made. I don't think the Pfeffermans lack of a moral code or a moral plumb line or a moral compass or some kind of religious grounding. It's not being shown sympathetically. I think, the, no. The, no, I think the point of it is they live in a very odd world that very few people inhabit. But to them, they think, that's how everybody lives. It's why Sarah can walk in to the synagogue board meeting and start talking about she lives with her husband, but she's he's sleeping with a spin instructor and she's paying somebody to beat her with leathers. And like they want their teacher to go to the bathroom with their constipated son. Yeah. Yeah, you remember that? Oh yeah, that's like a that's a great one. They they don't understand why the teacher won't like stick suppositories up their son's ass and then like sing him nursery rhymes while he sits on the stool for an hour while the other kids are they're, they're, and heaven forbid that it might be their fault that he's constipated. Oh, Surely it's not us. As they're walking out and going their separate ways because they have their own separate lives that they lead, they say they they briefly mention, "Could it be us?" No, no, it, it couldn't possibly be us. Is there is there any evidence? Is there any greater or more disturbing evidence of their kind of self centeredness than the loss of Nacho, the turtle? Oh my gosh, dude. Dude, how I, sad was that? I kind of got a little choked up at this idea of this turtle by itself in the uh, in the vents. Let me just say, this is killing me because I mean, this has happened to you before, where you've watched ahead and I haven't. But Nacho, this is not the end of the Nacho story. Is all I'm saying. Keep an eye out for Nacho. Yeah, that's just another example. That's just another example. So let's let's talk about because um, we want to wrap it up soon, and this is a big yep. question and a big topic. There is hope in this show, and I think there's we've or hope for the Pfeffermans maybe, and I and I see it only in episode five, and I know it's going to be hard for you to resist talking about it, but Josh's teenage lover, yeah, who was his nanny, who was maybe, uh, well, this is a, another one of those gray areas, um, dies, she commits suicide, right, and and episode end of episode very- four. 21st a very century, public, a very 21st century suicide. People have done that at the Mall of America here. That is, uh, it, very, that's jumped from the fourth floor of the atrium. Yeah, very public, very. Yeah. And then episode five begins. Josh realizes what's happened. He is clearly distraught, and it does break open the family a little bit because I think episode five is a beautiful episode yeah. where they gather together for essentially temple outside of the temple. It's called right? Oh Holy Night. Yeah, Holiest Night. Oh, Holy Night is the episode title, yeah. They get together, and it's this beautiful moment of recognition of maybe certainly fragility of life, maybe their own culpability in the destruction of this other person's life. Yeah. Um, And there's a conversation that starts to take place between Mora and Josh where she tells him, I was a shitty parent. Right. 
And I, I, yeah. I've left that episode thinking, man, maybe more parents and children should have conversations like that. It's incredible to finally see Mora. Mora so rarely admits she's done anything wrong. And we see Mora struggling in a romantic relationship through this season. And Mora, if she, it's always if I can just turn the next corner, you know, if I can just, uh, now if I can just get van, va, uh, vagioplasty and um, fin- complete my transition, if I can just, if, you know, and, and here we see Mora admitting maybe what she was running away from, because remember in season two, Mora is confronted by who the Ali's professor because when he was a professor he discriminated against women he was part of the all boys club at Berkeley and he kept the women out from like getting the fellowships and she calls him out on it and he basically admits yeah I was a male chauvinist pig so you wonder when he runs to when he runs to his feminine side and embraces that and becomes a woman for all intents and purposes, what is he really running away from? What part of his maleness is he running away from? As opposed to reconciling or, or somehow coming to terms with what an asshole he was as a man. And But that doesn't have, that doesn't have to be held. Uh, maybe that's held in tension with the reality that he is truly a woman. Yeah, that's right. So I so it's that, that, it's no, dual, exactly. It, so it yeah. could be, it could be he was acting that way because he was trying to repress his feminine sure, side, yeah. or it could be that now he's trying to avoid having to actually make amends and and face up to who he was because he can just say, "Oh, that I, that wasn't the real me. This is the real me." And I think one of the things this show plays with a lot is this question of nature versus nurture. So like, are all the Pfeffermans so self-absorbed because they grew up in a family that was so dysfunctional? Yeah. Or is their family so dysfunctional because they're all so (laughs) self-absorbed? And of course, the answer is both. Both. Yeah. And we haven't even talked about the mother Shelly, because we're going to talk about that next week, I guarantee you. How great is Judith Dude, Light, man? She just her, her one-woman show no, just, just cracks wait me up. to shell yeah. and back. To shell and back. <laughs> just wait. How remarkable is it from, from the producers and the creators that when Mora really wants to go all the way and starts to do these consultations about like the facial reconstruction and all that, she looks just like Judith Light. If you go back and rewatch, I think it's episode three or four. She walks in and 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 Shelly is like, "We have the same haircut. We have the same hairdo." And he's and like, Morris "No, we says, don't. No, we don't. Yes, they do. The exact same." Oh yeah. yeah, it is so smart. I mean, it's it's really. I find I found the season endlessly I'm, fascinating. I'm glad you I'm glad you recommended it to me. I'm I'm glad we're talking a little bit about it here. I hope folks list, watch it. I. Like I said, I watched, kind of devoured the first two seasons, and there's just so much going on that I was like, "Well, I'm going to get to, you yeah. know, I'll get to season yeah. three, yeah. but I'm I'm glad I did it sooner than later because it is really special, and that, and I think a lot of people, hopefully, the folks that listen to this, you know, who are involved in the intersections of faith and culture and maybe work 
professionally in faith. That first episode is really good. Oh man, Just where like, yeah, where I, Rabbi Raquel is is trying to sketch out a sermon. Yeah, that she doesn't believe. That's right. And it concludes with that question: What if you're the miracle? Yeah. You know, that's that's some beautiful stuff. So. Kudos. One through five now. Looking, I'll I'll probably consume all the final five this weekend. Yeah, and we'll talk about it next week. And I just say like, kudos to Amazon for supporting that whole team this. for and standing behind it too. Yeah, kudos because it's really. I will tell you this: <laughs> watching it on an airplane is a little sketchy because. <laughs> There's a lot get of to those, nudity. They get to those BDSM scenes. Oh, I was watching it at the gym. I was watching it at the gym. Or how about when they're at the in season two when they're at the feminist campout deal, and like everybody's running around, all naked. these naked women, just all yeah. these, you know. Oh man, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks everybody for uh, uh, continuing to support Killer Serials and uh, Happy Holidays. Yeah. Tune in next week for episode six through ten of Transparent Season 3. That's what we'll be talking about. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.